Hey everybody, it's another bonus episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free riders analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. Hey, it's your cool cat, Arthur. Hey, you cats and kittens. <laughs> hey, you cats, kittens, and kibbles. It's me, Arthur, uh, here to answer your questions. We're here. We're chill. This is a chill episode. This is going to have a different vibe for our usual episodes because today we're just answering some questions we got from you guys on twitter on tumblr uh, that's right mike is not here today because there's gonna be some spoilers i think we're a lot more chill without the secret sauce that is mike's enthusiasm right <laughs> let's start off with a question we got from kirayai kimura you guys have said a lot of episodes feel like build up or waiting for the next bit of action if you could would you rewrite restructure any of the scenes or episodes how why etc thanks thanks for the question i don't think i would rewrite it i think it's also because we're coming from the perspective of it's been over for almost 10 years right and when they were writing this they didn't have that they were like okay we need to write this we need to write this we need to right like put yeah, this like, out there we're standing on a pretty high platform. Like this is my third or fourth time watching the show. All that time and <laughs> and all of that film school that we are kind of applying to this show. And it's very easy to be critical from that standpoint, but I think it doesn't mean for any of us that we don't really love it or that we would go in and change it. It's a fun exercise. The thing we often talk about is like when you're doing television, you have to do this balancing act where you have to make these 20 minutes entertaining while also pointing towards the next 20 minutes. And if you fail on either of them, you risk making a bad episode. So I think what happens a lot is that like I'm thinking of episodes like The Fear of Sun, episode 32 or something like that. That episode came across as very plotting, but in the context of the whole show, of where they're going like you need an episode like that where it's just like okay let's catch up our breath okay oh my god here we go all right now we're back into it but in the context of watching it week by week you kind of realize like right nothing really is happening in this episode and it feels like that it was a totally different experience for me being forced to slow down because of the podcast and watching it every week and digesting each one because yeah and i think a lot of people we've talked to as well by the time they get to this point they're watching it just all the way through straight to the finish right. but it came out week to week so this i think it is a legitimate way to watch but when i first watched the show like when i binged it and i really did binge it i did not catch on to the whole sage of the east or sage of the west thing i just didn't and when that showed up i was like what is this like i completely did not come across my mind it's just a detail but it's a detail that says so much about the world you know when you think about how much time and energy and people hours go into making a single episode of TV and especially an episode of animation, the least you can do is kind of take your time to digest what they've given you. I feel like we didn't really answer the the, the question. No. The question was like... Let's try to answer it. Yeah. If I could rewrite any of these scenes or episodes, and I feel like the big change we've sort of settled on that all of us agree is that we either would have revealed Salim earlier or we would have made the reveal of Salim be more integral to the plot. The way the show frames it, it frames it as something that's like, nothing will ever be the same again. But it's like, okay, now we know that there's one more homunculus in high command. You know, it's like, it didn't change that much. Right. And the thing about moving the Salim reveal earlier is that those episodes that we felt really 
dragged in that area kind of right up until we got to Briggs, those would now be filled with a, a really beautiful core tension of will they be able to spread the word about Selim being a homunculus? Will Hawkeye escape her basically being held as a hostage? Or even will certain people find out if only some people know and some people don't, but they don't give us a reason to worry. The very last thing I'll say is not to say the transitional episodes are always bad or preparation episodes are always bad because if done right, they can really make the episodes where lots of things happen hit so much harder. I do think there was a a little bit of a dry period that we went through. Our next question is from Alan, and I wonder if that's the Alan we know. As writers, what do you think other anime can learn from a script like Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhoods, especially considering it is a direct adaptation? How does it do that well or poorly in your minds? I don't think we can really answer the second part because we haven't read the manga. Yeah, but we'll... <laughs> maybe one day. I think one thing that FMA does really, really well is scope. You end up, by the end of the show, with a really big and intricate and pretty complex world. And then you have like much smaller stories within that that you care about because you care about the characters. And each character has a distinct uh, want and need and background and, and all of that. The way the show balances these big world-shaking events and characters' individual emotional moments is really masterful and it keeps us caring about both they enhance one another i agree with that totally i mean just think about the fact that the plot of full metal alchemist is about a world-changing conspiracy but at no point are we in the danger of having where at one point they're just literally throwing planets at each other and you know what there's a space <laughs> for that and there are shows who can do that pretty well jojo can do that pretty well but when every show is doing that it just kind of like Okay, here's another show about like, oh, they're going to get a superpower out of nowhere and they're going to save the world. You know, it sets a goal from the beginning and never lets go. The arc of the main characters feels really complete. Next question from Samuel Davis, also past and future guest. Which of the sins are you most guilty of? Gluttony, because I think that's the... <laughs> that fits. Man, what's my main sin? If I can't think of one, then it's probably pride, you know? <laughs> but I'm... My real actual sin is wrath. I don't come across as an angry person, but I hold on to anger more than I should. And it can only hurt you. You know, there's this quote from the Buddha, keeping anger inside you is like holding onto a hot coal with the intent to throw it at someone else. So you just get burned. Also another one from Samuel Davis. You can create a spin-off miniseries for just one character. Who is it? What genre slash tone? And what will you focus on? My answer is I would focus on Ling. I would love to see like a Game of Thrones style stuff about what's going down over at Shang. Oh, that would be so cool. Because you got an emperor who wants to be immortal. You got like 15 houses, separate strands of Alcahestri. Whatever is going on over there, it's got to be interesting. It would be interesting if we're following that show and then like halfway through season two, Ling or Mei Cheng come back. <laughs> right, It right. just totally changed the game. I'll resist the temptation to say... TLCs, so I'm dating a homunculus or the Father Cornello Variety Hour, but <laughs> I think I think it would be cool to do a show focusing on ancient Xerxes. That would be pretty neat. Like a full origin story series of Hohenheim growing up in Xerxes and being a slave and being an apprentice. I feel like there's a whole cast of characters that you could radiate around that, and I think that would yeah, be cool. That'd be great. Can I change my answer? Yeah. I would like to see a sitcom with all the seven homunculi. 
<laughs> kind of like a WandaVision. Yeah, like a full house, and they have like a theme song. They're the sins. They're all evil. And one of them <laughs> is sleeping. It's the seven sins, and they're in your heart. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's like that chorus of like, and greed, and pride, <laughs> and wrath. And gluttony, all of them together are sins. This one is from the Spirit Hunters. Given that Fullmetal Alchemist started in July 2001, how does its placement before 9-11 affect its violence as Jews slash Arabs stand in? I don't think it affects them at all because it's, it wasn't meant to be. Obviously, what Hiromu Arakawa is doing with the Shvalans is referencing the Holocaust. <laughs> like, that's what it, it in World War One. that's kind of what the reference is. Mm -hmm. It's anything, if it has to do with 9-11, it's kind of like an, a sign of how little things change. But really Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think it's very easy to see things as, oh, it's a post-9-11 world. Everything is about 9-11. But Holocaust, Armenian Genocide is probably actually very similar to that. Yeah. But even in recent U.S. history, you know, you had the Gulf War and we've been killing people in the Middle East in this country for quite a while <laughs> and final question by the spitter hunters what is your favorite opening song my favorite op is the first one because it is a really good song and i love how integrated it is into the animation it just fully encompasses the entirety of what the show is it's got every theme and every important character and it's just feels like the core of it my favorite op song however is period the one we're on right now by the band chemistry because it's just a bop and I like it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the same one. Because just the first few notes of Golden Time Lover make me want to die. Just that, my dear, <laughs> make me want to die. Good night, make me want to die. But this one, I don't want to die as much. So, as you know, I do not like OPs. Well, that's a high compliment for Michelle. <laughs> if you're an OP, so. Next question. Which character would you want to plan your next birthday party and why? Armstrong. Yeah, I was going to say that. Armstrong, for sure. Yeah. He cares the most. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, it would be a lot, you know. He'd be he, very like, I made this uh, statue of you and I have here a thousand people. Uh, I have a thousand people to sing your praises, Arthur. And you'd be like, oh my God. He's like hugging you and crying. Come here from Brazil. I'm honored to plan your birthday after so many years, Michelle. I think I would also like to see what Ling's version of my birthday party look like because he probably would get a lot of food. Whether or not that food would still be there by the time I got there is another question. I would want my birthday party planned by the OG Greed, actually, because he would right. he would bring me the, all the finer things, you know, to be the best food. Everything would be so like fancy and good. It might be hard getting him to share it, but I think, yeah, that's what I would do. Alphonse would plan a very sweet birthday. He'd invite all your friends and like, they'd all make you like a card and they'd all sign it and they like go around in a circle and say something they appreciate about you. Oh, and <laughs> what would Kimberly's birthday, like if no, Kimberly Jesus planned your birthday? <laughs> it would just be, you would cut into a cake and it's like, ha, boom, like it just, <laughs> yeah, it just explodes. It's just a bomb. It's the exploding pie from SpongeBob. Like, that's yeah. his birthday gift. Welcome to your birthday. Today, I've gathered five children. You may kill one, and then the rest have to kill each other. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's Kimberly right there. What's that sound? I'd know that sound anywhere. That's the sound of a birthday cake exploding. <laughs> it's happy birthday. Yeah, that's the sound of someone one year older, one year closer to death. 
Nothing makes me feel more alive. <laughs> yeah, it would just be a bunch of like saw-like scenarios for sure. Yeah. I've locked you in this room and the key is embedded in your frontal lobe. <laughs> I've left you a toothpick, a fork, and a can of shaving cream, and you have to use those to get it out. Here's your cake. Is this a normal cake? Yes, definitely. You're not lying to me, are you? I'm not. Trust me, that's a normal cake. All right, great, Kimberly. And then you go to cut, and it's like, by cutting this cake, you have started a countdown clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't let him plan it. And if you don't want to eat a bomb cake, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FMAnalysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analysts.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram at Camillustrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. So check that out at patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you all next time on Full Metal Analysts. Stay chill. See you later, cats and caddies. Meow. Oh my god, that was awful. <laughs>